time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Hey, DSM. So like John said, I'm Brady, and I'm a sophomore that goes to Pine Creek. And I'm going to open up. I'm going to open up. <laughs> I'm going to open up today by asking you guys a question. Um, as middle school and high schoolers, what are the things that we spend our time on? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, texting, video games, God. drinking sock coke, okay, so um, a little free time here and there to do fun things like that, it's nothing bad, but it's Kind of like how sweets are at the top of the food pyramid, we have to limit ourselves to how much useless time we give, we give ourselves um, throughout our time. Um, we need to watch how we're spending our time and be very intentional with the time we have because it's a valuable asset to the kingdom. And being intentional helps both focus us on the kingdom while also helping in changing just our normal day-to-day moments and seizing them as um, their full potential as divine moments. So my um, message tonight is titled Intentional Time. And my first point is, are we intentional? A big first step um, is to learn how to become effective with our planning and usage. And many times we're able to trick ourselves that whatever we're doing is actually a, a great use of our time. Like personally, I spent a good half an hour playing Temple Run thinking that getting the newest high score was the best thing to do. But it didn't really do anything. <laughs> the things that we, are, that we can be intentional about and the things that our time can be seized for is when we are using our time to fill others with what the Lord has given us. And one of the biggest ways that we're able to do that is through support and encouragement, which is something that I'm really passionate about, is just being there for others and being very supportive in their times of need in their victories, and just throughout their lives, we need to be there for each other. So showing others, both believers and non-believers, that, that we're there for them, it, it means a lot to them, whether that means going to a basketball game for your school or telling someone that you liked a certain part of a school dance or even just giving someone a genuine thank you. And who knows the impact that that can have? Because I can guarantee you it goes a lot longer and a lot farther than if we sit at home watching the newest chick flick or sitting at home playing like another fifth hour of Call of Duty. Because <laughs> those things don't really get you, no- they really get you nowhere compared to how far if we spend our time intentionally. Um, something in my life where I noticed someone really spend their time intentionally through um, encouragement and just showing me that they cared was last year I was in the hospital, and John Mack came, and he visited me at 6 in the morning before I went into surgery and came to pray for me. And it really just, it, it impacted me a lot more than I ever thought a little thing like that could. Because it showed me that a spiritual leader in my life really cared for me. And just, it, it gained my respect a lot for him, personally. Another question we can ask is, are we advancing the gospel in the act that we're doing? And it, it only takes a quick half a second during when we're doing whatever we're doing to think that 
And don't forget that many things that we do in our day-to-day lives are able to be seized for the kingdom, whether that's a baseball practice or a talk with your friends or a day fishing with your dad. They all have strong potential in them and can be seized as divine moments. It's, but it's up to us making them that. But they can also become a waste of time if we don't. And that's where we have to have more discernment, whether we're going to seize the action and whether we're going to take it, because the opportunity is there. It's just waiting for us. So a good way to be very intentional with our time is to start looking and seizing those moments. So by both being appreciative and encouraging, while also searching for those moments, they're just really quick steps that can help influence the world and just make us more intentional with our time. A second point that I have to be very intentional is spending time in your God-given passions and desires. Like, God's given us all passions, something that we're really on fire for, and something that we love, whether it's a certain country or a person that we want to reach, or whatever it may be, a baseball team, who knows? But we all have passions. On the other hand, we all have circumstances, which can be good, but they can be things that we don't personally like. Like, personally, we all have to go to school, and a lot of us like that, but a lot of us think it's just a negative circumstance. And <laughs> when those, when that, specifically in the circumstances, when those get hard, we can't just retreat from them and run from them. And I know that is very easy when um, faced with a hard situation to, re- to retreat to the comfortable. But when we, when we retreat to the comfortable, we're not seizing the moments and we're not being there. And I often see this in our schools personally, because we are in a spiritual battlefield every time we walk into those halls, and we're confronted with the enemy left and right, but that doesn't give us in any way an opportunity to say, well, if the enemy's there, I don't want to be there, and I want to spend as little time as I can there. Frankly, the enemy loves when we huddle, and we just run, and we try to spend as least time as we can, and we just go to the comfortable. He loves when we're afraid of branching out. And the enemy tricks us into that retreating. So a good way to become intentional and value our time is to spend it in our schools. And that means more than just the seven hours a day that we have to be there five days a week. Because there's, there's sports and there's clubs and there's student council and there's band. There's something for everybody waiting for us to gain a place of influence in our schools. And once we have that influence, the little opportunities start to pop up because we start to love our school. And this kind of sounds just like the student council kid coming out of me, saying, go to school, love your school, go to all the events. But personally, even student council has changed my perception of school quite a bit from a place where it's just dark and the dark is overpowering and I don't know if I want to be there to a place where I get to wake up every day and shine the light, where I get to go into my school and think, hey, I have an opportunity here. Because it changes your perception, and it makes you kind of love being in that kind of an environment. And we all have an, er- an area of influence, like mine, student council, but there's something for everybody, and it's, we either have one already or there's one waiting for us to seize. And the circumstance that I'm also learning to seize the time with is in my family. Um, I'm the only Christian in my household, and it gets, it gets really hard sometimes because there's a large level of misunderstanding. But I can't let that make me just want to retreat to the church and come spend time with my Christian friends. I can't let that change me and spend time 
away from my family. I need to be there for both his, my brother's soccer games and to hang out with my family and eat dinner with them. I can't just retreat to the comfortable, like I'm super comfortable here at CSM, but I can't always just count on this as a place where I can run from my family. Because a time commitment matters a lot. Whether it's your passion or your circumstance, the time you put forth matters a whole ton. And if we only strive for the bare minimum, there's never truly intention, we're never being intentional. But when we're active in our passions, then our time is so much more powerful because time is showing that we really care. And caring shows love, and love shows Jesus. And it's just a, it's just a cycle. And my third point tonight is that we need to be an open spout. Um, time and time again, we hear the utter importance of personal time with the Lord on a daily basis. And it really makes sense. They're not just pounding it in our heads for a reason. It, it's, it's really powerful. And I'm not, because coming to DSM once a week isn't enough to fill us for the amount of outpourings we have on a weekly basis. We have to be continually running back to the Lord and being filled if we're starting to seize those moments and outpour. And another dangerous thing, though, is if we get, say we come and get filled at DSM, but then we try to hold on to that, and we don't want to pour it out into others. That gets very deadly. It, we become like the Dead Sea, and its name is for a clear reason. The Jordan River comes in, and it's full of life, but once it enters the Dead Sea, there's no outlet. We have to have that outlet, or, or else we become like the Dead Sea, and we become stagnant water. If we're not continually being filled it up, and pouring that out to others. We just become stagnant water. And that's when we think, why am I not growing in my relationship with the Lord? Why am I not sensing this? And why do I just feel like I'm in a standstill? Maybe it's because we need to open that spout and just start pouring out into others more and just run, because we, if we run back and we just pour out, it becomes a continual cycle. Because it says, freely you've received, now freely give. And that's huge. So we're, consist- we're consist- constantly pouring the life-giving love of Jesus into others, and you can see how it becomes essential to start running back to him on a daily basis. And that's when we're being intentional. When we're looking for the opportunities, we're pouring out, we're looking for the God time when we come back and become filled. And the Lord loves when we give. We never have to be scared that because we're outpouring so much into others that the Lord's going to say, you've met your Holy Spirit quota for the week, and you're not going to be filled anymore. No, the Lord's going to continually come back to you and fill you up. And it's just the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it, and the more the kingdom's going to get out of it. And that's why that's just a strong way of becoming intentional with the time we're given. And it's a great way to just become overflowers into the world instead of keeping on to what we have, but to give even that, giving our, even our time. So as we come to the end of this week, I'm just challenging you as DSM when we're, when we're in those times when we're wasting time or just not doing anything, there might be an opportunity right in front of you. And I just want you to try to just look, out, look at it and open your eyes, and I want you to try to seize it and just outpour into that situation. So, thank you. Hey, what a great job, Brady. What a great job Brady did. One more time, let's hear it for him. I'm here tonight, and I am, I have the distinct privilege of introducing our next 
amazing student speaker. Many of you know her. Some of you do not. Several of you are here about three, three or four Wednesday nights ago. Whenever we just begin to pray for this young lady, she was in Kansas City undergoing a surgery, and most of us who are here that night remember. And, um, and so without further ado, you have the amazing privilege of hearing tonight from Miss Michaela Mendoza. Y'all give it up for her. get the big podium, but I'm good with the music stand, so I'll grow into it. (laughs) Well, great job to Brady. He did an amazing job. I'm so proud of him, and I'm looking forward to the rest of the night. Um, Tonight, I'm going to be sharing my testimony with you guys, and so um, it's just a real privilege to be chosen to be here at DSM by DSM, and you don't take it for granted, so I'm just going to get comfortable with you guys. Okay, so I'm going to start out with um, where it all began. So I was born in 1995 at St. John's Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, Tulsa. (laughs) And um, there were just a lot of um, excitement from my parents when they um, decided that they were going to have me. But there were also some challenges along that way. Um, Before I was born... Um, my mom went through several sonograms, and they they saw a lot of issues with me, um, just medical-wise, and the doctors kept saying that they should abort me. And that was really hard for my parents to hear, and um, they just felt so strongly that um, that every child is a gift from the Lord, and every child and teenager has a purpose in life. And so they said no. I mean, they're, they... They took me, took me in, even though I had circumstances in life, and that was just um, a huge blessing. And um, the doctors were just so stunned. They're just like, "Why would you let her come into the world? Like she's gonna have problems. She's gonna suffer. She may not even make it through the birth. Like why would you do that?" And they're just like, "She, she has a calling on her life. We don't know what it is, but we're gonna walk through with her. She's, she's gonna do something um, important." And It's starting to unfold. So finally, when I came out of my mom, (laughs) I um, had a few issues. I had spina bifida, which is um, a spinal defect that um, um, has a toll on from your waist down. You're kind of paralyzed in different um, places. My organs didn't exactly go in the right places when I was born. And I had clubbed feet, which is where you're feet are turned. They're not straight. And so um, that was a big issue just because I wasn't functioning when I was born. And um, so the minute I was born, uh, they they rushed me to an emergency helicopter and flew me to Kansas City, where I still go today, um, for emergency surgery. And um, my mom told me that she didn't even get to hold me. And I was like, dang it, that's a real bummer. (laughs) But, um, yeah, they flew me there, and uh, they started surgery on me right away as an infant. And they had to do an osteotomy, um, which is a medical term for 
breaking your bones. And they had to uh, break my hips, my tibula, my fibula, um, to help my club feet so I wouldn't be able to walk because they said if they didn't do the surgery, I wouldn't walk, like, ever. Or if I did walk, I would be in a walker or in extreme conditions where she may not even, she might be, like, waddling like a baby. But obviously God had a different plan for that because I'm walking today. And I'm so blessed to have that. So, yeah. Um, So I've had 17 surgeries in my 17 years of living. And, um, you know, that that sounds so big to everybody. And, um, yes, it's not fun having to have that as your record number. But at the same time, it leaves leaves me with so many stories. And... um, for the longest time, my mom told my story because I was too young to really realize it. And um, it was funny to hear that I had to tell my story someday when I was older. So as I was growing up, um, I, I had a lot of struggles with identity, and I had a lot of struggles with making friends. And I have three amazing brothers who have supported me through everything. Victor plays in band. Mateo's starting junior high, and my oldest brother's in college now, and um, even though I didn't start with a lot of friends, God provided me with three bodyguards, I call them, because they, they've never left my side, and they've encouraged me to do things that doctors and people thought I could never do, like playing a pick in basketball or throwing the football, and you get smashed, so been through it all, like, <laughs> my brothers are just a huge... Um, impact in my life, and the more I grew, I I started realizing that I was different, and um, a lot of questions started coming up to my head, and I'd ask my parents all the time, God, why, why me? Like, why would you make me have all these circumstances? How can I be used for your glory? Because I'm struggling. I'm in the hospital so many times. Like, this sucks. Like, I, I didn't like where I was in life, and um, one of the, I was eight years old, and we had to make a decision for um, one of my major surgeries that would change my life and how um, I'd grow up. And so we decided to do that surgery, and it was really hard to go through, and I knew I was eight, so I was like, oh, great, another surgery. And as, as life gone on with surgeries, I knew what hospitals were like. I knew my doctor's. But you always still have that little anxiety and fear because you want everything to go well. And you just have to, you just have to go in faith with that, whether you have to go through it or not. And no matter how many times I'm in the hospital, I've always had an experience with the Lord. And that's how I accepted Christ. And I'm going to tell you one of my, I think, my most personal stories is Um, It was the night before my big surgery. They were prepping me. They're bugging me. I'm starting to get frustrated. And um, I could tell my parents were were nervous, like any parent would be with their child who's going through something hard, where they want to take all your pain away, and they can't, you know, not until it's over. And your parents are always the ones you turn to when something's hard. And seeing my parents like that, you know, made me more nervous. But that night... I really felt like I accepted the Lord fully um, because I've always grown up in a Christian home, but I never really 
I never really felt so desperate for some, some kind of different comfort than in people. So uh, that night, I, was, I accepted the Lord, and I, I had this moment with the Lord that I had I still sometimes I can't even speak about it, but it felt like time seemed to freeze, and I was alone in my room. My parents were talking outside my door. There was nobody in there. It was just me, and I had two choices to make. I was either going to feel lonely or I was going to give it all to the Lord, and that's when he intervened, and if you guys know the feeling of when your mom or your dad put your when they put their arm around you and they start rubbing your arm and you just feel this warmth and this love and this comfort. I felt that from the Lord that night. I felt the presence of the Lord so strongly. I, every time I think back to it, it just makes me want to cry just because I, I had a moment that I'll, I'll never forget and I'll always be able to tell people that his presence is real. It may not be a physical touch and it, it may be just be a whisper to you guys, but it... It happened, and um, they're always telling you to get a good sleep during before surgery, which <laughs> is really hard to do because the nurses keep coming in and waking you up, and then you have a lot of things on your mind. But God gave me um, a peaceful sleep that entire night, and I slept through the time they came to get me into that surgery. And so I didn't have time to get a, um, have anxiety or fear because he took that away from me, and he just, like, trust me because this may seem like a big deal to you, but it's not to me. I, I have this in, in control, and that just made me feel like, God, if, if you've taken my pain and my anxiety and my fear away, then I want to give it all to you back. Um, so God is really with us through any circumstance, and the scripture he gave me that um, has always been in my life is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, which is, for I know the plans I have for you, um, declares the Lord, plan to prosper you and not to harm you, plan to give you a hope and a future. And just those words um, are just bolded in my head. that are just like, he has my future. If I have hope of him and he's going to prosper me, then that's all I need to know. I don't have to worry about the future ahead of me. Um, so from then on, I just started taking risks. Um, and I really wanted to prove myself to to any kid who used to stare at me when I was younger or thought less of me when I was a child, that I'm going to prove to them that even though I'm different, I want to make a difference in the world anyway. So I started doing girl time. I started doing DSM. And uh, I went on Quorum Deo retreat, which is awesome. And it's, it just changed my life because even though I have medical circumstances, I'm, I'm still able to, to be with the Lord and um, have that desperation for him. Um, but even though all that happened when I was younger, you still have problems in life that bumps in your road that's going to push you to, to the next level where God's just like, you really do need to trust me. Um, just this last year, um, I started getting really, really sick, and I wasn't, I wasn't able to, to do school. I wasn't able to do uh, come here even, which felt even worse in school. Uh, and it just, it tore me apart. And I didn't realize that my heart really, really broke those few days. And I started feeling like I got set back. Like I, 
I just totally lost everything because at that time I was with friends and I was going into the Lord. It just felt so strong, and then that happened. I'm just like, the question came up again. Why, God? Why would you do this to me after I've devoted my, my time to you? And so I went through um, a time of depression, and sometimes I felt like a burden to my family because I really wanted to do the things that they did, but I just wasn't physically and spiritually just ready for it. I just needed some time to um, to heal. And I started feeling um, distant from the Lord sometimes when that happened, um, which that that really tore me because I, I thought he wasn't listening. Um, so... As time went by, um, fear and anxiety was all I used to think about because I I just didn't think I could ever get back up again. And you guys, it's so important when you're going through those hard times to not give in to that because it handicaps you in every area in your life. And I I went through that, and I that's why I started feeling distant from from God and distant from my parents because I started making those choices in my mind. Like, you can't do this. You can't do that. And that's what Satan wanted to put in my mind the minute I started walking, the minute I was born, because so many people said that you can't, but you can. And he's not given us a spirit of fear. Um, So as time went on, I started um, retreating to prayer and worship and I've gotten prayers from several leaders and DLA leaders, which um, are my mentors and my, my builder-uppers again. And I'm, I'm learning again how to trust God and how to, to tell my story in a sense that it can all relate to, to what maybe you're going through. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be medical. It, everybody's going to go through a time of bumpy parts in the road. So... Um, don't believe in the lies that the enemy puts in your ear. Um, you just command the devil to leave in the name of Jesus because you are not supposed to be overtaken by that. Um, so um, choose life. Choose to live um, for God. And don't, don't let fear and anxiety go through your mind because God has a purpose for each one of you. And I just encourage you guys um, to... As you're building your relationship with the Lord, keep remembering what he's already done for you. And remember how blessed you guys are to be here and to be able to run and walk and go on missions trips because he's going to use it. And um, as your testimony builds, it doesn't have to be big to change a life. You guys, your, your your story may feel little, but when you're talking one-on-one with a person and you, you feel that urge to tell them your story, it could change their life forever. They're going to remember that, whether you thought it was oh so big or, you know, you're, you're hearing mine right now, and I just I gave you a lot of detail about my story. But honestly, guys, you, you guys have a story building up already with family, with friends, with what God's doing in your life. So don't ever feel like your story is too small. You go tell it whether it's an important time in life or whether it's a hard time in life, you remember your blessings. So just take courage from this, choose joy, and live by faith um, in Jesus Christ. Thanks, guys.
Man, this is some good stuff tonight. We should do this every week. I'd much rather just sit down there and listen to you guys. No comments. Uh-huh, right there. That was the, <laughs> awesome. Well, our last speaker tonight is a young man, and, and all these speakers, man, I just love and respect uh, you guys as students. And uh, Josh Dillon is going to come. And uh, I call him Tiny. This is Tiny right here. And uh, he's going to bring the last word of tonight. Here you go, brother. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, I'm just going to start out in prayer, if that's okay with you guys. So, Holy Spirit, I just invite your presence into this place, God. Lord, I ask that you would speak through my words, Father. Lord, that they wouldn't be my words, God, but they would be your words, God. Lord, make me like a cup, Jesus, that you're just pouring into. I'm overflowing, God. Jesus, overcome me with your spirit tonight. Jesus, I ask that you would just move in hearts and minds, God. Lord, that after this, God, that that no one sitting in here would not know you better, Jesus. Jesus, I just ask for a a greater measure of your spirit in this place, God. In your holy name, Father, amen. Amen. Awesome. All right, so as I was just uh, preparing for tonight, Scott. Hey, Josh is going to share an amazing word tonight. We just want to just have everyone, if your parents come and pick you up tonight, just go down and send them a text and let them know we'll be wrapping up promptly at 830. That's in about 17 or so minutes. He's going to share for 10 or 15 minutes. Just let them know tonight, don't get here super late, but just because the snow is kind of piling up at night So tonight. So don't wait until the end of service and say, hey, mom and dad, come get me in 30 minutes kind of thing, because we are going to dismiss promptly tonight about 830, five after at the latest. Everybody got me? All right, if you're ready to hear Josh Dillon, say yes. Thank you very much. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so as I was uh, just preparing tonight, um, the Lord just really put it on my heart uh, to just share my story with you guys and, and share my testimony with you guys. Um, yeah, so we can just just enjoy what the Lord has done uh, and just give him praise for everything. Um, yeah, so I'll just get going. Uh, so I guess like, like many of you uh, tonight, um, I'm assuming, I was raised in a Christian home. My, my, my parents are Christians. They're awesome people. I love them. I'm, I'm so blessed to have them in my life. I think I accepted Christ into my life when I was like three. Um, just something ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> um, so just <laughs> going through uh, elementary school and middle school, I was like the, the church kid, quote unquote. Right? Like I, I knew all the answers to the questions. Like, I mean, that, that's, just, that's who I was. Um, and that's just some, like, so, uh, some background just on, on how I was raised. Uh, so a lot of my testimony actually focuses around football, funny enough. Um, and just my, <laughs> just kind of what I've, like, done with it. And it's, like, the, the place it's taken in my life. Um, so I started playing football in sixth grade. Uh, I mean, I love football. It's, I'm convinced it's the best sport ever invented. I mean, seriously, where else can, can guys put on armor and run into each other as hard as they can. Like, seriously. Uh, yeah, so I, just, I started that in sixth grade. Um, I played that nonstop pretty much. Uh, seventh grade, eighth grade. I mean, it, it put a lot of really, really good stuff into me. Like, it, it just it built me up, put a lot of confidence into me um, that I hadn't had previously. Uh, so this, that's kind of where I was at with football going into high school. Um, so this was... Then I believe the summer of 2010. So my summer from 
my eighth grade year going into my freshman year. Uh, that's kind of when just like Parks and Rec, like little kid football, turns into serious football, like when you, when you get dedicated, when you, when you go. Um, so at least in, in the football community, uh, at least at TCA, which is the school I go to, um, <laughs> there is an immense amount of pressure that is placed on, on younger guys, incoming freshmen, to be, to be accepted by uh, the, the upperclassmen, uh, the, the senior leaders. Um, and if the senior leaders are, are good guys, like they're solid, uh, then this is awesome. Like, this isn't a bad thing. But if the leaders are living for themselves and they're not following after Christ, uh, it can put a lot of the younger guys in a, a bad situation, um, in a, a situation that, that they compromise themselves. Um, and, and that was the case with me. Uh, like, I, I was going in. Um, I, I had that, the basis and the, the foundation uh, of Christianity. Like, I, I was raised Christian. Um, but it was my parents' faith, if that makes sense. Like, I, I, I knew that Christ was the Lord, and it's like, like, I had all the head knowledge, but I didn't, I didn't know that Christ was the Lord. Like, I had never experienced him. I never encountered him. Um, and just like that, I feel like f- about the freshman year in high school, I mean, and obviously it'll be, it'll be earlier for some, later for others, uh, there's a point in, in kids' lives when either their parents' faith makes the transition and becomes their faith, uh, in which case they, they begin just to, to live their lives in, in desperate pursuit of Jesus. Or it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make that jump, uh, in which case they end up, end up riding the fence, so to speak, just, just one, wor- uh, one foot in each world. Um, I was one of the kids that, that, that rode the fence. I mean, I wholeheartedly just jumped into this, like, compromising of my, my parents' values, um, and through football, oftentimes, uh, I mean, like, I just began to, like, struggle with pride. I began to struggle with uh, immorality, um, just, like, like, lying, just, like, a bunch of bad stuff came as a result of this. Um, so, yeah, like, going into my freshman year, my, my morals were, were being shaken. Uh, and so the football season is going, and it's, it's progressing, right? And somewhere near, near the end of the, the season, I, I get called up to play varsity football. Um, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, plays just a, a crazy seat of pride into my heart. Like, now all of a sudden, football wasn't just the place that I compromised on my parents' morals. It was now, like, my identity. It was who I was. Like, it, it came to the point in my life where if, if I went out and, like, had a game, like, 12 solo tackles, three sacks, like, I was on top of the world. Like, I was affirmed. I was built up. But if I went out, and got, like, my butt handed to me the whole game, like, two tackles the whole game. Like, I, I was crushed because it shook the, the foundation, the, the, the temporal foundation that, that I, I had put my stock in. Like, it, it was like an earthquake, like, coming and, and shaking a, a building that's not built on anything. Um, and so just the, this, this state of of pride and idolatry and misplaced foundation uh, was what I was living in my, my whole freshman year. Um, I mean, I was just, like, I guess, like, I embraced it wholeheartedly. Uh, and that, that was my freshman year. And the Lord began to speak to me a little bit my, my sophomore year. And he began to just to call me and just, just put this voice in my ear. Um, and, like, and I, I genuinely, I wanted the Lord, and I wanted to worship him with my heart. 
But in all honesty, I wanted to worship myself more. And I wanted to worship football more. Uh, so this was where I was at, right, coming into, uh, coming into last summer. So about eight months ago, I think it was. Um, so I'm, I'm going through the summer. And uh, every year, I'd go to the Desperation Conference. Yeah. <laughs> so I went through conference. And it was good. Like, I, I enjoyed it because it's, it's solid. It's a solid time. Um, nothing necessarily, like, life-changing happened uh, throughout the, the main course of the conference. Uh, then it came to the last night, which, as I'm sure many of you understand, has somewhat of a reputation for being spirit-filled, to say the least. Um, so I was just going into that, that night, uh, and at least up until that point in my life, I, I'd have a hard time really entering into worship um, if I didn't feel the active presence of God and, like, and didn't, like, feel him, like, emotionally. Uh, and that was, that was kind of happening that night. Uh, and I was just feeling confused and, and frustrated, and I, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, like, kind of like, God, like, what's going on? Like, why can't I feel you? Um, and then all of a sudden, right, uh, this, this thought pops into my head. Um, it's just like my, like, no physical, mental, or emotional state that I'm in can reduce his worth to be glorified right now. Um, and... At the time, I thought I was like, oh, this is just a cool religious thought. Like, this will make me feel good about myself. I'll just, I'll pray this. Uh, but in, in hindsight, it was, it was an invitation of the Holy Spirit to intimacy. Um, and I was like, all right, awesome. Like, I'll, I'll pray this, see what happens. <laughs> and, and so, like, I, I just go, I go, like, God, like, I want to worship you through whatever state I'm in. And it was the craziest thing. Because right after uh, I said that, and right after I, I made that decision... Um, even in my poor motives, like, the, the Holy Spirit just, just, he just fell on me, like, insanely powerfully, like, like more powerfully than he had in my entire life up to that point. Uh, and then, literally in the, in the two minutes after this, he broke the chains of idolatry and pride off of my heart. He, with, with his love, with his, his love that conquers, with his love that, that bought our souls, he broke it off of my heart. And he didn't just set himself up as, as the number one priority. No, 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 he, he set himself up as, as everything. I mean, he, he is my everything. Like, I, I, can, I can look at nothing else but him. I mean, I mean for, for those of you who, who doubt sometimes that, that the Lord moves, I would, I would like to, to say that you're wrong tonight. Because uh, <laughs> I'm evidence that he does. Because I was that pile of dry bones. I was stagnant and complacent, living in my sin, living under bondage, living in slavery. <laughs> but then he bought me with his blood, and he bought me with his love. So I, I stand before you right now as one who's been ransomed, as one who was dead, but now I'm alive in him and alive in his love. It's just, oh, damn. It's just, ah, uh, it is so, it's so beautiful, guys. His love is just so overwhelming and overcoming, and it, it breaks chains and defeats the enemy. Oh, man. And then so, so that, that happened. That was pretty big. <laughs> and he's just been doing so much in me this past season. Like, he, he set me up as his everything, and now he's proceeding to, to build on me and to mold me and to shape me and to make me more like him. And it's just, oh, guys, his love 
and his faithfulness are just so, so overwhelming. Like, guys, I was, I was caught in my darkness. I was, I was running into the darkness. Like, I, I was lured away. I was off the path. I was, I was fully em- embracing the darkness, right? But he didn't leave me there. He pursued me into the darkness. He pursued me. Like, I, I didn't do anything. I just, I just stood there and accepted. And he, he, like, he grabbed me and, like, he pulled me out and put my feet upon the rock. And I, I want to just declare tonight over you guys that, that the Lord pursues you all. He, he's pursuing us. And, and the only thing that we need to do to be in this fullness of relationship is say yes. And that, that's the beauty of it. It's like when we say yes, we're agreeing to give, to give our brokenness and, and the little that we are, like the, the bad and the good, for all of what he is. And it's just such, it's such a beautifully unfair trade. It's like, the, it's the scandal of the gospel that we can give our, our crap and he still wants it. But then he's, he's willing to give all that we have, all that he is for all that we are. Oh my goodness. Oh man. And guys, if we agree to say yes, to just inviting him in, he will consume all of us, right? Like we, we, can't, we can't say yes to this and then, and then hold on uh, to our stuff. Like I didn't say yes to him and then hold football still to my heart. I mean, in the end, he ended up giving it back to me and, and using it to just give me a, a platform to proclaim his name. But it's, it's not even on my, on my radar. I mean, it's just it's the platform to glorify him. And just like, oh, oh man, he is worthy of it, guys. He is worthy of all that we can give him. Thank, so tonight, just if as I'm speaking, he's just been moving on your heart. Where, where you, you see idols in your life and you just want to get rid of them. And you, you just, you're hearing me speak of the fullness and you want to taste that fullness. Guys, it's available tonight for you right now. Like in this room tonight, 825, you can have it. All that you have to do is just say yes. You don't have to do a religious ritual or or anything. You you just have to say yes and and open up your heart to being consumed by all that he is. Because he will consume you. And he will burn away anything that isn't of him. And it's beautiful and painful and lovely but there's life in it. And it's the only place that life is found. Oh, man. So if, you, if you're just feeling like you have idols in your life, um, I'd like to invite you guys just to, just to come up. Uh, I don't want to be like awkward, but I really just want to pray over you guys um, and just, just pray that the Spirit would just come into your hearts uh, just fully and, and that there be, be nothing to keep you from Him. There would be nothing clinging to your heart. Um, yeah, so you guys can just feel free to come up. Uh, and over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. 
I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, that's got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life.